and welcome to Top Hole, the podcast about Eleanor M. Rent Dyer, the chalet school and anything vaguely connected to them. I'm Deborah Lofus and I'm a fan. It's a Wendy week, woo! And today we're talking about coffee and cigarettes at the chalet school. The usual provisos apply with respect to pronunciation, spoilers and bonkersness. Please refer to episode zero. you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. All right. We've had a busy morning doing yoga today. Right. We need to start with a health warning. Smoking is bad for you. And if you're currently in the process of quitting, maybe come back and listen to this episode in a few weeks in case it triggers a relapse right now. OK, I feel I've done my civic duty by saying <laughs> that before we starting. So I, I always think of the Chalice School as quite a smoky sort of place. Yeah, yeah. They, they definitely mention it and kind of talk about it. Yes, and that's not untypical, though, because smoking used to be everywhere, didn't it? Yes, yes, it did. That's right. Uh, just cinema? I remember being on the non-smoking side of the cinema and seeing the fog above the <laughs> other side. But obviously now we know that comes across to our side, too. Yeah. Um, when I worked at Tesco's restaurant in the 1980s, we had a very small no-smoking area with about 12 tables and then a 100 other tables in the rest of the restaurant. They were all smoking. Everyone had an ashtray on it. And that was in the mid-80s, late-80s. Brilliant. And I remember smoking on the train as well. Yes. And um, then going to smoking carriages. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even in hospitals. If you watch the carry-on films, patients are smoking in the hospital. Apparently... Um, uh, I, I heard from an, a former nurse when you were admitted to hospital and this would have been 50s, 60s and they asked you if you were a smoker they didn't then give you a load of smoking cessation advice if you said yes they handed you an ashtray so that you could you know, take care of yourself while you're in hospital that's brilliant so, so it was absolutely everywhere obviously it hadn't been forever um, it became acceptable for women to smoke in the 1920s previously it had been associated with deviant sexuality if a woman smoked. Um, and then it became everywhere during the Second World War and in the 1950s. And I, I don't know if more people smoked than didn't smoke. I don't know the stats. I think there was, I think there was a time where more people smoked than didn't. Um, yeah. I read Lord Denning's book, Murder a Cigarette, which is a fantastic uh, history of smoking. Yeah. Um, and he said, I think, that at one point there were more smokers than not. Um, but also, our granddad used to get given two boxes of uh, players cigarettes a week as part of his navy payment right so he yes. would be paid uh two boxes of navy's navy sorry players cigarettes and a bottle of navy rum mm. every fortnight mm. as part of his pay and he got cash as well yeah that they couldn't spend because they were on a boat <laughs> so <laughs> limited use yeah so um so they thought it was good for sailors to smoke yes yes <laughs> and, and soldiers in the trenches used to get a cigarette ration as well didn't yeah, they? yeah so yes so so it was everywhere and that includes schools boys and girls um i can remember at primary school i had a teacher who used to smoke his pipe in the classroom um and certainly when we were at secondary school if you went near the staff room which was off its own corridor and some as a member of staff opened the door the, the fug of <laughs> smoke that used to come out from it it was... would and also mr jones had a um office in the library and if you stood outside his office you could smell it coming out of the mm, window constantly yeah. <laughs> Um, a funny story about that years later I did actually meet up with him for a drink and he mm. piked a fag off me so. <laughs> oh hello Mr Jones if you're listening um, so yes yeah, so, so it was everywhere including schools and so it's perhaps not surprising that there's smoking goes on at the chalet school um, 
it isn't in the first but the first mention i found was in princess and it was an indirect mention um dr jem has provided cigarette cards to make doll's house pictures and it did occur to me that possibly people don't know what cigarette cards are mm. um so that was a little card about one inch by two inches so that's 2.5 centimeters by five centimeters for you modern people um and it would have a, a small painting on one side and then information on the other side and they came in sets um, and you used to get them with tea as well in packets of tea tea cards and sweet cigarettes as well oh right oh i don't remember that yes yeah. sweet cigarettes <laughs> not anymore um yes and so they were quite small often like little works of art because they'd be collections of animals or wild flowers or something like that and you could get albums to stick them in and do swaps in there i suppose the pokemon of their day perhaps they were yeah, yeah. um in the queen's jubilee they had a set of british icons um and i still have the beatles oh cool which is brilliant. That's cool. But unfortunately, That's cool. it wasn't number 64, which I was a bit disappointed about, <laughs> to be honest. They, could have, they missed a trick there. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good, wouldn't it? Mm. So, so they must have, if Dr. Gem was donating them for the Doll's House pictures, must have had them with cigarettes as well. I don't remember that. I do remember getting embassy coupons with Dad's cigarettes. I yeah. remember as a small child helping him take the cellophane off his cigarettes and collecting all the embassy coupons out of them. And um, they did, Benson Hedges did them as well. Okay. Ali and Linus and I saved up enough embassy ones to get by the first set of walkabout phones that we had oh, wow, in the house. Okay. Uh, the battery phones that mm. weren't connected to a lead, which seems kind of ancient now, really. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was super modern at the time, it was, though, wasn't it? Was. it? Yeah. The first direct mention is in Princess as well, and that's the evil Prince Cosimo who smokes cigarettes, and Joey notices he smokes the best to be had. And I want to know, how did she know? Mm. How did she know about brands of cigarette? in order to be able to recognise that Prince Cosimo was smoking the very best. Don't know. Um, in Enid Blyton books, somebody smoking, particularly if it's a woman, particularly if it's a woman wearing slacks, is a bad person. They're an evil person. I don't think there's that correlation in, in EBD's work, possibly because she herself smoked. Yeah, I think she would have um, not thought of it in the same way no. because of that. Yes. Um, yeah, in Head Girl, Jem smokes a pipe. So he's kind of moved on from cigarettes. He's now a pipe smoker. Um, and then at the start of Rivals, Herb Brown is smoking a cigarette, which he puts out before he meets Joey. He hears her whistling or singing, and he knows he's about to meet her on the path. So he puts out his cigarette as an indication of politeness, okay. I suppose. Yeah, a gentleman, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in terms of girls smoking, we get an incident of that in the new chalet school. So they have the drama club meeting on the roof of St. Clair's. Um, obviously out of hours when they shouldn't be doing and when the prefects and Joey happens to be there uh, sort it out and go and investigate they find a packet of cigarettes and somebody has tried one and and they're all kind of goodness me and Joey says well I feel sorry for the person who smoked that again because this isn't decent stuff she's <laughs> <laughs> got a whole other hobby we don't yes, know yes, about yes, yes. I always think of like Sherlock Holmes style testing all the tobaccos or something and just having some real you know in-depth knowledge of smoking yeah something. yeah which is bizarre but she said so the prefects say to her at that point but you smoke yourself Joey so mm. but only the odd one only occasionally and always decent stuff is mm. what Joey says so she's only smoking occasionally at that point but then in exile she and Jack both have newly charged lighter on them right so i think jigger maynard may have been a bad influence on jerry <laughs> <laughs> encouraging her to smoke more than the occasional one 
because in advertising for cigarettes, originally they said smoking is good for you. And uh, they thought that it helped with lung conditions, but actually it's because it kills all the hairs, so it stops you coughing stuff up, which isn't necessarily oh, good for you. yes, no, that's not quite... So, so he may healthy. have thought it was better for her... Yes. ...and their children. Yes, because she was quite a chesty person, wasn't she? ...for yes. her to smoke, and that would have abated her coughing and yes. made her asthma appear better. Um, my friend who had asthma as a, a teenager, when he was an adult, his doctor said, oh, you, you know, you're cured, you haven't got asthma anymore because we can't, you know, mm. you don't have wheezing, you don't have problems... When he quit smoking five years later, it all came back. Right. Because all your lungs start to function as they should. Right. As okay. they normally would, because the hairs are, have been killed or covered in tar or whatever. So in the 1930s, that was potentially then taking up smoking was the cutting edge of chest medicine. Exactly. Right. And so okay. Jack was being a very supportive and loving husband, oh, okay. ensuring Those, his wife always has decent quality cigarettes. Yes, yeah, right. later <laughs> on. Later on, yes, because they have a box of cigarettes in oh somewhere it might be in the study actually that's where they keep them because joey has to pop out there to top up her own case when she wants to have a cigarette while she listens to the news i think when the news is coming through from kenya i think it's that news right. bulletin that she subsequently finds out that's what it is right so that's much later on when they're on the plats um yeah well done. okay well done jack i suppose <laughs> <laughs> You always have to look at the context. Of yes, things, I, know, suppose, it's I suppose. I um, suppose. I don't think Madge ever smokes. No, I can't. I can't think of a single reference to her smoking. And I can't imagine her smoking either. It no. just doesn't sort of fit with her kind of clean cut image. Perhaps. Yeah, 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 she is quite clean cut, isn't she? Yeah, um, and also very sort of responsible. Like she's got very mature kind of responsible. Mm, mm more disposition so i think um yeah maybe it just doesn't sort of fit with her personality as much yeah. and there's possibly someone that i assume madge is based on a person that ebd knew or admired yeah, possibly, yeah. who was um you know quite sort of sensible and mature for their age yeah. who was able to take on the responsibility of a school and looking after other people's children mm-hmm. at quite a young age and they often refer to how young she is yes. in the early days so yeah i can't imagine it okay personally okay. and also it wasn't quite as acceptable in the 20s anyway yeah, so she would have been an, uh, an adult with it not being acceptable yes. before it was. So she's probably been conditioned to not smoke yes, rather than yes. Joey growing up when everyone's going, hey, smoke, it's good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. And yeah. I was wondering about a decent brand being an advertising thing. Oh, possibly. And the sort of terrible ones being a not advertised quite so well, like mm. advertised as cheap rather than decent right, yes, kind of thing. Because then she'd know about it. And, I mean, cigarette adverts were everywhere. Yes, that's true. Every newspaper, every yes. magazine, every billboard, yeah. like, you know, um, yeah. they were everywhere. You'd get yes. smoking adverts on the telly, you'd get them yeah. everywhere. It's you couldn't avoid to it. think back to it now, yeah. isn't it? It just is bizarre thinking mm. about I'd forgotten that. You're right, they were advertised absolutely everywhere. So perhaps that's how she knows so much about Because she cigarettes. reads so much. She reads <laughs> magazines and reads all the, all the smoking adverts. Or maybe at De Rosen they had discussions about it, you know, doctory yeah. type discussions about which brands of cigarette to put the patients on, Yes, you know, to help with their recovery. <laughs> and, um, yeah, maybe it comes from that then that she picked up on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could be. All right. Um, there are some staff who smoke, though. Miss Wilson and Miss Annesley both smoke. We don't see it very often, and it's potentially a plot device when we do, because it's in Carola, where, of course, we end up with Grizel having a cigarette and accidentally setting Len Maynard on fire. Right, um, yeah. So, so and, and that's set up by Miss Wilson and Miss Annesley earlier in the day when the, the girls were all setting up the sale say oh i haven't had one today blah, blah, blah. and miss annesley being concerned that the cotton wool is so flammable and there's so much of it and so they say oh i'll get rosalie to knock up some notices no smoking notices blah 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 so yeah. they're setting up 
the later It's the foreshadowing, isn't it? It's yes, the foreshadowing. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Well done, EBD. <laughs> <laughs> And then of the younger staff, I mean, for the, in the later years, I don't think it is referenced as much. Um, in the war years, they do in Lavender, the schoolroom bed and the staff are with coffee cups, cigarettes, those of them that smoked, and buns of an evening. But when you get to the plats, I don't think there's those references. Yeah, I think it's just not as important, mm. if you like. Mm. I don't think it's as... Because I don't remember, like, Miss Orion smoking or Nancy Wilmot or Miss Farrar's. No, and they might have... They were more... I mean, Nancy Wilmot, not, not so much, but my Miss Farrar's is, like, very active and kind of mm. sporty sort of type. Yeah. So I wouldn't have expected her to smoke anyway. Mm. Um, but everybody uh, did. Yeah. Even sports people. Yes, smoke. I know. Right. Well, um, uh, the, there's three or four of the best footballers in the world would have a fag at half time. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> it's astonishing, isn't it? It's <laughs> astonishing. Um, we do have a smoking incident in uh, the la- later part of the book. So, on, in the Oberland, it's the Shire School goes to the Oberland. So, that's about the finishing school being set up, which later becomes St Mildred. St Mildred's. Um, and Elma Conroy and her friends, um, Peggy bumps into them and they're in the summer house and they are playing cards and smoking on a Sunday. And the problematic bit of that is the playing cards on a Sunday. <laughs> Peggy says, I don't know how, how what Bill will think about smoking. She might be OK with that. Because they are all nominally adults or yeah. approaching adulthood at that point. I know. Um, <laughs> That's brilliant, though. But the playing cards on a Sunday. Ooh, no. Bit dodgy. So, so that happens in when they're in Switzerland and... Oh, and in, in excitement, um, the St Mildred's Panto catches fire because Eitel has been smoking in a cubby hole which also contained dusters and probably cleaning materials, I'd have thought, quite flammable. I was going to say, it's probably not the dusters themselves, it's like the kind of solvents that yes, they use to so clean the yes, wood and yes, floors and yes. stuff. So he fails he? to put out his cigarette properly, it rolls into the corner where there's a pile of dusters, not very tidy, I mean, but anyway wasn't their hall that they were using, I suppose, was it? it Frau Meaders would never have allowed that. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Matron would have been straight onto it. Well, these dusters folded up an iron in yes. the corner. Um, and that catches fire, and then the pantomime catches fire, and Nina keeps the orchestra playing, and is a bit of a hero, because that calms everybody down. They all start singing, and so they evacuate sensibly. Yeah, in an orderly fashion. In an orderly fashion, yes. which is what you expect from that so i think that was all the um all the incidents i've had theodora before she before she joins the chalet school her final incident at the last school from which she's expelled is that she was caught smoking out of a bathroom window and that's she doesn't smoke when she's at the chalet school no but then she becomes a good girl once she's at the chalet school yeah i was trying to think about if there was anyone else i thought who had smoked but I don't think so. I can't think of anybody else who particularly... I mean, all the doctors kind of spoke. Well, you sort of assume so, don't you? I don't know if we actually see them yeah. lighting up. Yeah. But, yeah, but there's quite a lot of it. There's a lot of smoking in there's the basically. I think it's a lot going on, even if it's not being mentioned. Yeah. I, just, I strongly suspect. Simply because they're of their time, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, smoking references tend to be cut out of children's books, older children's books nowadays, when they're reprinted. Mm. I can understand why. Because Armada did when they reprinted Chalet School Goes to the Oberland and that whole incident of playing cards on a Sunday. 
they cut out the reference to smoking oh. in that conversation. Wow. So all they're doing is playing cards on a Sunday. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That is very sort of, you know. Yes. That's quite early to do that, though, isn't it? In the, yeah. Would it have been like 90s? Yeah, early 90s. Something yeah. Late 80s. So yeah, it was yeah, quite early. The tide early. was turning them, yeah. I think, wasn't it? So alongside a cigarette, it's quite nice to have a cup of coffee. And they drink quite a lot of coffee at the chalet school, I feel. Oh, my God, they drink so much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's constant. Like It is. I mean, the girls have milky coffee for breakfast and the Continental girls crumble their red rolls into it. Which, frankly, sounds disgusting. Yes, but that's okay, how I... Yeah. That's what you like? If that's what you like, fine. <laughs> um, they have, because I checked, they do have milky coffee at lunchtime and dinner time as well, which surprised me because I thought they'd have water with meals. Yeah, but, I would have thought they would have had water, yeah, but okay. No. And of course they have cafe and kuchen, so that's more milky coffee in the afternoon. So Elevens is, they have lemonade or milk usually. Right. But apart from that, it's coffee all the way for yeah. the girls. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yes, that's why probably why they need the cold baths to wake up in the morning because they're so fueled with caffeine, and that's why they can't sleep at night. Yes, yes, maybe. Um, but but it is milky coffee, so it's not as strong. Yeah, and I think there's some understanding of the impact of caffeine because one of Lavender's issues before she arrives at the chalet school is that she's been used to having a drink of strong Turkish coffee every morning. I've I've not had Turkish coffee myself. I have though. I've had it. Um, so it is madly strong. It is like rocket fuel. Uh, it's sort of almost thick. It's so strong, mm. um, and they have it in really small cups with lots of sugar in it. So it is really quite mad. Um, they don't really have milk with it. It's literally just black, thick. Mm. It's like a little tub of thick espresso kind of. It's like it's mad. spirit, like syrup. It's almost syrupy. Yeah, yeah. it's like thick. So um, yeah, and. It is just too much. Like, you have one, that's probably enough. I can see why that would be a problem for someone who's described as a nervy child, Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> that's not going to help your anxiety. It's not. Um, when I lived in London, they sold this liquid uh, liquid coffee in a bottle that you had to keep in the fridge. What, like camp coffee? No, it wasn't like camp coffee. It was like it was called caffeiness, and it was like... Uh, filter in the name. Yeah. <laughs> it had been like filter coffee that had been like reduced down to like sort of... a like a thick sort of gravy or whatever. Concentrate, yeah. Very concentrated. And then you were supposed to put a teaspoon of it in and then fill it up with hot water as if you would. So it's instant filter coffee. Okay. Which is like brilliant. Mm. Uh, but I wasn't really patient enough to measure a teaspoon out. So I just give it a good old splurge. You know, like when you put too Blug. much washing up liquid in, like zoom, <laughs> zoom kind of thing, um, and drink that. And I was having probably about 10 cups a day. Mm. Um, and after about three weeks, I went to the doctor because I thought I was having a heart attack because I was just getting like tachycardia all the time and mm. like having my heart racing and I said oh, I'm feeling anxious all the time my heart's racing and the doctor was like do you drink coffee I was like yeah and he's like how many cups do you drink a day I was like about 10 he's like is that filter coffee yes you need to stop it's the caffeine mm. is making and it was literally making me anxious yeah so I should think it would have made her anxiety much worse having Turkish coffee yes. that would be like you know you'd be on overdrive all the time yes yes mm. so milky coffee is at least preferable to that but the staff the staff have proper coffee um, because they have kitchen staff that make fantastic coffee from Austria. She's Austrian. Her coffee's brilliant. Kind yeah. of thing. But then in the evening, Mademoiselle's there with her um, special coffee service presiding over the coffee pot. Mm. And that's not going to be instant. No, that's, she's going to have made proper coffee yes, proper into the coffee. coffee pot. How do they go to sleep if they're drinking coffee know. all night? That's mental. I don't like, know. That's just it's, too much. Yes, yes. No, that is mad. That is... Um, <laughs> 
that's a lot of caffeine, really, mm, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I just can't imagine how you'd um, how you'd go to sleep after drinking strong coffee in the evening. Mm. I mean, I guess people do after a meal, and not everyone is affected yes, by that. But then often you've had alcohol with the meal as well. Mm, that's true. <laughs> Probably works <laughs> out. Then. each other out, don't they? So <laughs> don't, we don't get a lot of that at the chalet school. But no. I mean, there's a reason this episode isn't called Cigarettes and Alcohol. Yeah, because there's because not much drinking at all. No, really. I mean, sometimes they'll have a light country wine. Yes. When they're away. But but that's it. And that's very rarely really, mentioned. Yes. Or a sh- really... brandy if you've had a shock. Yeah. Don't they say um, something about coffee? So we all need a stimulant or something at one point. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember where that is. They've all had some sort of shock. Something's happened and they're in need of a stimulant after that. And they so they all have a cup of coffee. So, yes, yeah, so they knew. Yeah, they knew it was stimulating yeah to a certain extent possibly didn't know how rampant anxiety (laughs) would you know flood through the staff room from their constant coffee drinking that is yeah it might explain a lot really of what goes on at the chalet school if they're just all tanked up on caffeine the whole time all buzzing through the day yeah yeah (laughs) and the night um bruno likes coffee as well yeah i'm gonna say this now don't give your dog coffee. Okay. Generally speaking, coffee's not really very good for dogs and milk isn't very good for them and sugar's not very good for them okay. either. So just don't do that. I mean, it's you know, if he was an elderly dog, you just give them whatever they'll eat mm. to keep them going. Mm. But if they're a young dog, definitely mm. don't give them mm. coffee. And no. That could explain... Because Bruno... I mean, we are going to talk about dogs separately one day, but Bruno's quite boisterous, isn't he? <laughs> so compared to Rufus. And if he's regularly having coffee... <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe that's the difference, you know. Yes, the difference between him and Rufus is mm. Bruno is a caffeine addict. Yeah. <laughs> so he's either hyped on caffeine or jonesing for it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that um, EBD makes quite a lot of is, firstly, how expensive coffee is in Switzerland. Right. Uh, that's It's an extra at the end of a meal, and it costs you the equivalent of um, a shilling a cup. Right. Which is, because of everybody's gasps of horror, you know is actually quite expensive. Although it seems nothing to us now. Um, and she also talks about the feather beds of whipped cream. Right. On top of the coffee. And I thought that maybe she was muddling that up with, like, frothed milk that you get for a cafe latte. Because you or get a quite cappuccino. A, or yeah, because you get of... quite a big layer of frothed milk. Mm. And, and I felt that's something... We don't know if Eleanor went to Switzerland, so she might have been working from pictures and brochures and things. Um, so if she'd not seen that sort of coffee, it wouldn't have been... I mean, because coffee bars were coming around about in the 50s, but they were for young people. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't have been for Eleanor. She wouldn't have been going. Um, so I thought maybe that was it. That it was all... It was froth coffee and she'd made a mistake. And then I discovered, no, there is <laughs> cafe pane or pane cafe, one way or the other, which is coffee with whipped cream. Right. And it's an Italian thing, but yes, in Switzerland as well. Oh, okay. But it's only in Switzerland that they have the feather beds of whipped cream on the coffee. It's not mentioned in Austria at all. It's always milky coffee there. Yeah. And and they don't really have hot chocolate very often either, do they? They do sometimes because they say about how splendid it is, you know, because it's the proper Austrian hot chocolate. But it's it's relatively rare. They have cocoa when they're at guide camp. Mm-hmm as their bedtime drink rather than coffee so that's sensible well done the guide leaders <laughs> can you imagine i mean they get tanked up enough as it is at guide camp yeah. if you're oh. giving them coffee as well oh my oh god my word. 
Yeah, no, that would be too much, definitely. Yeah. I think um, we've been on enough guide camps to know what girls get like when they're away from home for the first time yes, or the 15th time. It doesn't really yes. matter. They get quite hyped well, at camp. Shallow girls obviously be very well behaved and go to bed instantly I'm no sure. messing around. But real girls, <laughs> a bit different. <laughs> on the other hand. Yes. Um, Café and Cushion is a, a kind of main marker in the day, I feel. We don't get much information about the um, Cushion element of cafe and cushion yeah because originally i thought it was like pastries or something because yeah. you know if you go for like a sort of coffee and sort of afternoon tea but coffee mm. you'd probably have like pastries like danish pastries mm, or whatever mm, mm. but um I, I i'm guessing for like a whole school full even karen's not gonna um make you know <laughs> that's a lot of maple and pecan plats it is it? isn't it basically and she's yes. not gonna be able to buy them frozen no, or she's no. making everything from scratch yeah so i mean my assumption having thought about it a little bit for this was um maybe it'd be like i don't know like more like a selection of cakes or like tray bakes or something tray bakes i can see Yes. Because that's a really clever way yes, yes. to do it. Portion control as well. Yeah, and safely, yeah. you know, no fighting over portions. Yeah. yeah, Or maybe she picked up some English recipes when she was in the UK during the war. Yeah. And, you know, gives them Bakewell tarts and yeah. Welsh cakes. <laughs> oh, they do have Welsh cakes sometimes, actually, because... In yeah, Wales. when they're in Wales, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing probably didn't make Welsh cakes for everybody. Quite fiddly. They are very all. fiddly, you yeah. You have to do them on a griddle, don't you? Although yeah. she'd have had a big griddle, one of those big ones. And you just go splurr, 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 splurr. But yeah. as we say regularly, like EBD wasn't brilliant about the logistics of running a school. I don't think. Well, she ran a school many... though. No, but not but with three hundred kids. No, not with three hundred. You know, and I suspect staff... she didn't have a lot to do in the kitchen. Yeah, with that, her focus had been on the teaching and possibly the admin. Yeah, but not the like you know logistics of feeding three hundred people some cake yeah. or whatever. No. Which we've got a little bit of experience in that area, yeah. so we, we'd have a better yeah, idea of yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. Shire school staff continued drinking coffee during the war, actually, which is quite unusual. So coffee wasn't rationed because nobody drank it, right? By and large, and it was instant coffee as well then during the war. So, but there's a general switch to tea. Certainly, the girls are drinking tea at breakfast and afternoon tea. And I mean, they meals. did tend to sort of follow local customs, which is why they had the yes, arrangements true. they had. So that it would have been yeah. natural for them to follow local customs mm. and teach the girls to follow local customs. Mm. That's mm. part of their international flavour of their mm. experience. Mm. Um, but um, I'm assuming that the instant coffee wasn't like really nice instant coffee. It's not going to be like our freeze-dried instant coffee that we like have now. No. Mellow Birds or like something. Kind of. Other, Other brands, brands are available. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, instant coffee unless they could get hold of actual coffee beans and, and grind up their own coffee but they'd have to like roast them themselves and grind them themselves yeah and then having enough of that like i mean i get sent a bag of ground coffee like every month mm. from my subscription and if i had to store a whole year's worth or enough for 30 people i'd <laughs> really struggle coffee. you'd have to have like your own little oast house out the back <laughs> just filled with coffee beans to get through that much coffee to mm. feed all the girls mm. and, and mm. the staff so i can't really see that Really? See, Joe Scott's mum, um, Maisie, offers to send... Because they have a coffee farm in Kenya. She's right. the shallow girl from Kenya. Yeah. Um, they offer to send Joey a, a bag, a sack of coffee. And Joey doesn't reply, which I find quite odd because 
I mean, Joey's a keen coffee drinker. She is. She drinks a lot of coffee. Yeah. When they um, have to go on their picnic, she's always the one going, have we got the flasks of coffee? Like, she's going <laughs> to run out halfway up a mountain or something. Yes, yes. And she rations the coffee really carefully when they're in the Tyrol. She's in the Tyrol with the kids and they're coming down a mountainside through the fog and there's a little bit of coffee left and, and she rations it around the walls <laughs> and they all get some. It gives me a completely different view of Joey now that she's like madly obsessed with coffee. It's, yes. I never really got that impression yeah, before. Yeah. But now you think, oh, you know, she didn't uh, really drink much, but she was definitely into the coffee. Yes, yes, yes. Which I suppose is the healthy way around. To be fair, if I had more than ten kids, I'd probably be really viciously into coffee as well. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Can you imagine? Good lord. Yes, because Joey, when she's awake at two o'clock in the morning, when Stephen's teething, right. decides that a nice cup of cup of coffee will help her get back to sleep. Wow. Yes, that's a high caffeine tolerance. Except I've actually been reading up on it recently and some people who have ADHD uh, don't react to coffee the way other people do. Oh. And if they and it takes 20 minutes for coffee to kick in. So if yeah. you fall asleep within 20 minutes of drinking it, the caffeine doesn't work okay. on you anyway. Uh, but also if you drink sort of fairly milky, warm, not blastingly hot coffee, if you have ADHD, sometimes it can cause you to fall asleep for several oh, hours. Oh, well, well, well. So it's possible that maybe Joey had ADHD. That's that, a whole other episode. That's a new episode, yeah. Let's, we won't do that <laughs> let's now. Let's finish there. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Since recording this discussion for the third time, I have been signposted to an excellent podcast called Book Hoots, and in particular, the episode in which the host, Rosie Veach, interviews the writer Ellie Griffiths. Much of their conversation is about school stories, with lots of reference to the chalet school, and thanks to this, I discovered that Armada edited out more smoking references than I had appreciated. When Joey is leading her family down the mountain, she not only rations out the coffee, she also gives the young people a cigarette each. I was horrified to hear this, because it means I now have to upgrade a whole bunch of books which I thought were uncut. You have been listening to Top Hole, researched and presented by Deborah Lofus with Wendy Norford. Music and production by Kit Lofus. You can email us at topholepodcast at gmail.com. Your prep for next time is to research the entire English Civil War, ready for a dangerous cross-country journey to get a message to the King. Top Hole is a Loafers Towers production.